You're certain he's dead? Someone asked. My eyes flew open and I straightened up. A stranger stood before me, taller than the Atolian and slim, very elegant. He had a long, narrow face darker than my own and a heavier beard than I will ever grow. The patterns at the edge of his soft skull cap and the ones around the collar and hem of his belted shift marked him as a traveler from beyond the isthmus. Travelers from beyond the isthmus, isthmus. I'm Noelle. And I'm Caitlin. And this is the Atolian Archives, your Queen's Thief reread podcast to help you recover from Return of the Thief. It's July 11th, 2021, and today we're discussing Chapter 9 of Thick as Thieves. This opening introduction with uh, Enikar, Kamet narrates after, uh, the stranger had had an immense dignity about him and i wanted to point out it says the stranger was taller than the atolian and all the gods are very tall interesting as a five foot zero person i take a little bit of offense but that's okay we'll move on <laughs> also like he's got costas so on the brain the first thing he thinks when he looks at this guy is oh he's taller than costas yeah everyone is people are costas or not costas <laughs> Yeah. But Kamet is still trying to say, this dude was not my buddy. Yeah. We were not friends. I didn't care about him. He was not my friend, I said automatically, then wondered why I'd said anything at all. Hmm, you know, I think you are mistaken about that. And he smiled very kindly. Be certain before you let go of him. I once was lost and my friend came for me. Our hands are on our hearts. (laughs) (laughs) So, we have... That, but we also have that juxtaposed with his narration. This feeling was new, this particular loss, leaving me at a standstill and directionless. And from the last chapter, he was waiting as if Costas would appear, as if the world would settle back into its proper course. The world is not in its proper course without Costas. And he's talking about how he's seen a lot of death in his life. He's lost people, he's lost friends, but this is this new type of grief yeah so what 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 is the denial the atolian had been no more than a convenience i would have ended up in the well myself if i had stayed what do you think this is is it just a a defense mechanism yeah i think Kamet is still clinging to his you don't do favors for people yeah And you don't do favors for people because they wouldn't do a favor for you, you know? Yeah. And when he decides to go back to Costas, he's saying, like, no, he's dead. He can't can't be alive. There was silence echoing up from the well. And then he narrates, I looked up at the impersonal blue sky over my head, thought of flying up and away in Annette's chariot, and then I began to retrace my steps to the mill. Which is like, ah, oh, he's thinking about, I mean, that's from the the play in the beginning with Imakuk and Enikar, but, you know, he's thinking about the two of them. Yeah. Flying and that's, that's up another indirect expression of this attachment. Yeah. So, the other times I read this book, like, I understood it was a love story, but I wished it could have been clearer. 
like spelled out a little bit more just because I don't know I think this is just a me issue rather than like is this an actual issue that really exists in the world but you know just confronted with a bunch of straight relationships that are confirmed in other pieces of literature or whatever I just don't personally like ambiguity very much with gay stuff but that's just a me thing but no yeah you're right you're right remember do you remember a while ago a long time ago we were talking about this and I think you said it feels like their friendship in this book is uh like undeveloped kind of yeah less that it's underdeveloped and more that it's missing pieces yeah we don't see those 11 days in the tamant mountains and uh Kamet really only looks sidelong at his his feelings. And so whatever kind of relationship that they have, uh, the real um, specificity of it is kind of out of our reach. It's out of our field yeah. of vision. Like I was I was gonna say it feels to me like these are these and I guess the next one and maybe like the ones further are like the only chapters I feel we really get. I think it's I don't know. It's it's developing in this organic way, interior way. Like too, so so organically that Kamek sort of doesn't realize that it's happening. You know, I was in the middle before I even knew I had begun. Yeah. And like which we see because like he's still saying right here, he's not my friend. You know, that's just a whole another aspect. He's just in denial. He yeah. has this whole thing which is Yeah. Is, and and like I have that instinct to be cranky about like why can't we have this uh same-sex relationship be more clear when we have uh you know we, we've got these helen and sophos and, and jen and irene and I, I especially felt that way before return of the thief yeah. came out but also like that's so consistent with the style of the rest of the books that the narrator would leave some of that intimacy out yeah like i mean we did not know that jen was in love with atolia before the end of the queen of atolia yeah we did not know and it was all through the book and they were like hints just like this is full of hints but so it is very fitting it's not like this ambiguity is new to the series yeah at all it's just a little pet peeve of mine. That I <laughs> need to get over. Well, no, and it, it's 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 like completely legitimate as a frustrating pattern. Yeah, and I just like you know I think we both felt this before Return of the Thief, but I also felt it after Return of the Thief. Like, mm-hmm. okay, spoilers. Sorry for that one person we talked to who hasn't <laughs> read it. Um, also, Chip. Chip hasn't read it yet. No way. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, get out. Chip, what are you doing? We went out for Direct ice cream. appeal. I was like, I, can I go out for ice cream with someone who hasn't read Return of the Thief yet? Oh, I don't know. I gotta lend it to him. But before Return of the Thief, okay, no confirmation, whatever. After Return of the Thief, we get confirmation canonically for other gay characters, but not these two? Like, <laughs> I mean, I know, you know, we get other... We get more things that I would consider hints and that I know other people do consider confirmation which i you know i can sure uh, it's confirmation i get it with everything else in this book like i already knew this was a love story but i still wished it could have been more explicit you know yeah i think it was an interesting decision to kind of keep us at arm's length from from kemet and costas um and i was pretty satisfied with where it went in 
Return of the Thief because I felt like with uh, Relius and Talaeus and, and um, those other characters, the existence of same-sex relationships in the world of these stories was no longer hinging on Kemet and Costas. Right. So I felt like I was able to think more about what the potential significance is that we don't see all of that intimacy. Yeah, because here, you know, we're kind of saying here in Thick as Thieves, it's a, a, narr- a narration choice of Kamet's, but with Ferris, we don't have that. Yeah, I saw I saw <laughs> a, a Tumblr post that was like, we don't see that much stuff about Kamet and Costas in uh, Return of the Thief because Kamet saw all the stuff that Ferris was writing about Relius and Talaeus' personal life and went through and manually removed all the stuff about him and Costas. <laughs> I feel like that is a valid explanation. <laughs> I'll accept it. And it is littered with, like, every time the two of them are mentioned, it's like, oh, here's another comparison between these two and Relius and Talaeus. So, yeah. like, it's fine. It is fine. <laughs> and, like, in an ideal world, we could have uh, relationships that are ambiguous without thinking about this... Uh, kind of a political context of how often are same-sex relationships in popular books and when yeah. and what are the patterns about, you know? Yep. It's coming, just not today. Yeah. <laughs> when Kamet goes to get Costas from the well, he gets a splinter dangerously close to his eye, and then he only finds the rope because of the moon. <laughs> uh, Nemalia, the moon, is what lit... Uh, Imakuk's path down into the well mm-hmm. for him too. Also, I don't know. I think it might be a stretch to say that there's an Unsasek parallel with Costas killing the dog because he just he landed on the dog by accident. <laughs> he didn't do it on purpose. But there was like a the dog was like a wild beast. You know, it's like a monster in the, yeah. the previous chapter. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, we saw, we saw Kamet attacking the, one of the guys in the mill with a bag of flour in, I think, the last chapter, but this chapter, he stabs the miller with his tiny penknife. Yeah! Just as he was thinking way back there with an Amrine, like, I'm never gonna use this sword, uh, I think I could do more damage with a penknife that I'm already comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Bam! You did! <laughs> Yeah, he stabs him a bunch of times in the leg. Yeah. Another question. Um, So he finds out Costas is alive. He says, like, oh, why didn't you say anything? And Costas said, well, I thought you were the miller. And Camus says, oh, you were expecting him to sneak into his own mill yard in the middle of the night? And narrates, I didn't know why I was so angry. (laughs) Why is he angry, Noelle? I really, I love that they're bickering immediately. (laughs) Yes. And this is the first, like, real argument argument. It's not a real argument, but you know what I mean. It's the first... Yeah. It feels like a very equal exchange. Yeah, I think it's a great sign. Like, Kamet is so comfortable. He can express "Ah." anger. Yeah. Which is not something he's ever done before with anyone, I think. And he has... I mean, he's he's had a hard day. Yeah. He's mad at himself. Yep. Emotions are just weird. Emotions welled up in me until I was near drowning in them. I reached to touch his warm, living hand and swallowed a laugh and a sob. And later, something in my chest split like an overfull wineskin, and I laughed out loud. 
And then they're laughing and laughing about the ooh, yeah. oh my god, oh, like little so kids. Nice. And let's let's not forget um, Costas looking like a ghost, of course, in our listing of the um, Emma Cook and Anna Carr references. Oh my god, I hadn't caught that. Mm-hmm. It's coming yeah. up from the underworld. And I really like that, um, like, what's actually happening here is so not magical and not yeah. epic. I mean, he fell down a well and then Kamet <sighs> uh, puts down a rope. But because of what it means to them, their relationship, it mm-hmm. becomes, it holds the significance of this great epic tale. Yes. Also, speaking of the well, Costas seemed little injured by his fall. He had kept pace with me and appeared in every way whole because he's dedicated to eugenities and just fell and was not killed or injured because eugenities was taking care of him. I can't believe I missed that. You will never die of a fall unless the god drops you. Ah! But then he gets sick immediately, which is a little bit out of nowhere. Is it, I don't know, spending a night in a well with a dead dog? Yeah, it's sick? probably not good for you. Probably not good for you. <laughs> I feel like this, this, I almost said this is the episode. This is the book <laughs> that I get the most anxiety about people dying from inf- infections. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of wounds, a lot of unsanitary conditions. There's actual plague. Actual, literal plague. It's stressful, man. But that doesn't happen in this book, even though in um in the next book, there's, like, people dying from sepsis left and right. And they meet Anakar himself. Yes, twice. Who's just, um, hanging out on the street with his camel. Just some guy. Just some guy. <laughs> and Costas recognizes him as if greeting an old friend. The southerner looks startled. He did look like Emma Cook's companion, and then it says he looked very much like the actor who had played him yeah. in the play at the beginning. I like to think of that as Costas is in this sort of altered state. Yeah. Because he's, uh, he's sick, he might have a concussion, and so he's able to, like, perceive this. Yeah, he doesn't have that veil of, like, awake, you're awake skepticism. Yeah. Also, Costas has already experienced an encounter with the gods. Yeah. In King of Atolia. And I feel like he's the type of person who would just be unfazed by it. Yeah. Like, okay, that's what it is, that's what it is. Call a god a god. And he continued to be positively delighted by the stranger. And then Kamet gets him away because he was worried about the stranger, realizing Costas is sick. Many felicities to you, he says. And many to you, Kamet. Mm. And then Camel looks back and he can't even see the camel. They've just vanished. His his camel is also a magic, magic. immortal camel. <laughs> I love this. I think it's it's interesting that they appear separately. Yes. Why do you think that is? That's a good question. I would say because if they appeared together, the second time here would be much more suspicious, wouldn't you think? You know, they saw each of the immortals twice, but if you had seen a pair of immortals three times... Yeah, it would have been too obvious to yeah. them. And they both appear 
to Kamet. I mean, Costas sees him and mm-hmm. recognizes him, but he appears first to Kamet when Kamet's alone, mm-hmm. and then um, directly addresses Kamet. And so they're both really Kamet's uh, visions or encounters. Yeah. And I'm also just kind of thinking back. I'm just comparing this to what we've seen of Moira and Eugenides and, like, the other gods. Sophos' questions to Edith at the end of Conspiracy, like, can you touch them? Do they have physical properties? Can they bring bolts of lightning? Uh, <laughs> Enikar touches Kamet here. So that's one of those questions answered. It feels... It's it's interesting comparing these two sets of immortals. I know we've talked before about, like, you know, what are the logistics? Is there one rain god for each culture? Is it one rain god with different names in each place? Mm. Can Imakuk and Enakar be friends with Eugenides? But I don't, I don't know. It seems more Imakuk and Enakar seem. I mean, obviously, okay, this isn't news. They seem more personally involved than Eugenides. Yeah, and sort more of like benevolent, which is not yeah. to say that that the the other gods we see are malevolent. They're just more neutral, like they're out for their own agenda. Yeah. Whereas Imakuk and Enakar, it feels like they, they want to They're just to help. buddies. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Eugenides, he, sure, he's attached to his namesake, but, like, he let Jen get his hand cut off yeah. for goals. <laughs> for reasons. Yeah. And I, I think we've we've asked before, like, are Imakuk and Enakar helping these two out of fellow feeling or out of the political goal of bring down the Mede Empire just like the other yeah. gods like is that yeah I mean we don't have an answer still but it's just interesting to still think about I do like Amakuk and Anakar they're not gods in the way that Eugenides is like right. they're like legendary heroes they're mortal I guess so but they're like closer yeah. to humanity yeah just like Eugenides because he was half mortal mm. and Moira is closest to mortals I mean like I do feel a warmth in these encounters yeah mm-hmm Kamet describes Enikar as very kind, mm. smiled very kindly. And Enikar, like, flung an arm around Costas's shoulder, so they went forward linked, so they got through with him and the camel. The last thing I wanted to bring up about those two is after they turned down another path and Enikar vanishes and they can't see him anymore, Costas said, you saw him too? Mm. As if, you know, he knows, like, is this a fever dream? Is this an apparition? Is this person not real? I think it matters that they have this, like, like both Imakuk and Anakar, they appear to Kamet first, um, but then they do both see Anakar this time. Yeah. And it's I, like together they have this experience. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really important. As opposed to, like, Jen is very alone in his experience of the gods. Yeah, and even when he has, like, Costas and Ferris with him, like, they're not in it, they're just witnesses. Yeah, and people are very like, oh, the veil is thin for him, like Eugenides, yeah, he's like he's... very set apart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like, Edith and Atolia both have religious experiences, like, okay, the dreams, and then they both meet Moira, I, th- I mean, I think Edith, does Edith meet, oh, yeah. 
Yeah, okay. In that short story, she meets gods. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but Atolia's experience at least feels more like a one-off type of thing. I mean, Atolia is pretty separate anyway, because she, she doesn't like these people. <laughs> <laughs> it's like um, not liking your in-laws. Yeah. <laughs> Chapter 9, next time we meet Godecker. Send us your comments, questions, and thoughts. Chime in at atolianarchives.tumblr.com. Be blessed in your endeavors. Thank you for listening. This has been an amateur embroidery production. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and where podcasts are available.